In sales, there are obviously things that can get in the way of our success. In this week's episode of the Sales Playbook Podcast, we're going to talk about a silent killer of your sales results. And it's so big, it can absolutely annihilate your commission check. My name is Paul Castain from Castain Training Systems, and I'm the author of the YourSalesPlaybook.com blog and your host for the Sales Playbook Podcast. I've personally trained over 70,000 sales reps, sales leaders, and business owners to sell more. So get your playbooks ready, because school is now in session. This week's episode of the Sales Playbook Podcast is brought to you by our brand spanking new prospecting bundle. It's complete with over 50 templates for email, phone, LinkedIn, objection handling. There's even 25 chat GPT prospecting prompts. And there are eight prospecting tutorials. I'm going to talk more in detail about this at the end of the podcast. If you'd like to have a quick look right now, please feel to feel free to visit yoursalesplaybook.com slash bundle. All right, so I want to get right down to it. There is something in sales, and again, I refer to it as a silent killer, meaning you don't see this coming really doesn't show up on the radar screen you have willingly accepted actually these things that fall under this category that we're going to talk about it and it just it's it, it's no good right i mean i don't want to beat around the bush anymore and when i tell you what it is i want you to really stick with me on it because you might think you know where I'm going with this, but I promise you, um, I'm not going in the direction that you think I'm going to go with it. And I'm talking about your beliefs. The beliefs you have, there are certain ones that you have been you know, clinging to for so long in sales. You no longer question them. They've become really a part of your day-to-day. And you just accept things as a certain way. And really at the end of the day even the beginning of the day they can hurt you now you might be thinking all right so he's going to be talking about believing in yourself and all that warm and fuzzy shit i am not (laughs) told you i'm not going in the direction that you think that i'm going in or i remember um it wasn't too long ago Actually, it might have been a while ago now that I think of it. I believe I was in one of many LinkedIn debates that I find myself getting involved in. And somebody was saying something along the lines of, you know, because somebody was saying, and I happen to agree with them, that, you know, when you cold call somebody, we're not saying don't call somebody, cold call somebody, but you are, in fact, interrupting them. And the person's point was, and my point as well, is, well, that doesn't mean don't do it. Just make it worthy of the interruption and get to the point and and show relevance early, like, like immediately. And this person was saying, well, you know, that's the problem. If you believe it's an interruption or whatever, well, no, fuck that. It is an interruption, right? So, you know, I'm not going down that road with it today, the warm, fuzzy road. 
I want to point out some things to you today that uh, based on my experience, many of these have my name on it, just so you know, I've made these mistakes. I've kind of had this kind of stinking thinking, uh, as the late great Zig Ziglar would say. Many of the coaching clients that come to me, I've had to correct a lot of these behaviors that I'm going to share with you today. But before I get into a lot of specifics today, I just want to mention something about your beliefs in sales. And as far as your beliefs go, they, you know, certain beliefs, if you really think about it, and that's what I want you to do today, really think about the beliefs you have in sales about cold calling and, you know, a lot of the different scenarios I'm going to give you today to really get you thinking about it. I want you to realize that many times these beliefs are based on false evidence, if you will, that might have appeared real. And let let me give you an example, okay, before I get into lots of examples. I haven't told this story in a while, but it was traumatic, man. This is like one of those moments where it really bitch slapped me. I'm, I'm dead serious. So years ago, long before I started casting training systems, which by the way, um, we're going to be coming up very soon in a couple of months, like two months or whatever, on our 13th anniversary. So I started casting training systems back in 2011. Now, in case you didn't know my story, I want to tell you very quickly because it plays into it, 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 a critical lesson and false evidence appearing real, by the way. I, uh, before I started my business, I didn't know I was going to start my business, by the way. And I was on LinkedIn and I was building my brand. One of the things that I noticed back in 2008 was that, you know, there was a new battleground kind of, you know, appearing before our eyes. It was no longer exclusively the phone and email and door knocking, you know, and a lot of kind of the ancient things that I came up on. It was now we were adding it to it things like LinkedIn and Twitter and blogging and personal branding and YouTube and all those things, right? So what I did was forever, I was giving value, giving value. And 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 by the way, I, I can't believe I even just said that because I really hate that fucking term. I really do, mostly because it, it's become a soundbite that people really don't even know what the fuck that means. So I'm kind of surprised that I just said it. So now, you know, I said it, so I got to give you a quick tangent. When I'm talking about giving value, like I'm giving things that are obviously valuable and for free, unconditionally, no scorecard, no no tab to be paid. I was jumping on calls with people in my LinkedIn network if they needed help, not selling a damn thing because I didn't have Castane training systems. I was vice president of uh, training for a billion dollar year company and had my hands full with the 850 sales reps that I was responsible for training and and supporting. So, you know, I'd send resources. I was putting out all these free PDFs, all the stuff that I was doing over on YourSalesPlaybook.com with all like the massive, I used to have a tab. uh, I think it was called Free Stuff from Uncle Paul or something like that. And so I gave, 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 gave. But over on LinkedIn, every few weeks, I'd give another resource, a free workbook, a free, you know, PDF, 
uh, a, a link to a YouTube video that was inspirational and, and helpful. Now, 2011 rolls around, and I decided, you know, I, I no longer want to do what I'm doing for other people. I want, you know, in terms of uh, an employer, I, I want to do it on my own. I want to become, you know, Uncle Ball Incorporated or whatever. But I decided on Castane Training Systems. I think it has a better, it kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit better. And uh, so I was giving, 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 giving for years. I go on LinkedIn and I had a ton of people who accepted me and who uh, gladly, once I sent them an email, supported this new business venture and many became my clients. And basically, I sent something out. Hey, you know, pardon this interruption from my usual giving of things, no strings attached, but I've started a business. Here are the areas that I could help you. You know, if either I can help you in your organization or if you know someone you could pass this along to, boy, I, I would be eternally grateful, right? And I, from that email, I... Uh, or we should call it in-mail because I sent it through LinkedIn. No joke, no exaggeration. I, I brought in a ton of clients. I mean, a ton of coaching clients, ton of corporate clients, consulting work and everything else. But I had one shithead. I'm not kidding you. One fucking troll that wrote back to me and they acted so personally offended that I would have the balls to try to sell to my network. And by the way, this wasn't like some new person in my network that didn't experience all the giving that I was giving. They, they were just a miserable fuck that wanted to feel a little bit taller by standing on top of somebody else, right? And kicking them to the ground. So they were like, I mean, honestly, the gist of their response was like, how dare you? And you shouldn't be doing this and everything. So here comes the false evidence appearing real thing. When that happened, I was like, oh shit, man, I knew I shouldn't have tried to sell to my LinkedIn network. And you know, that's no good. I really, not. even though, by the way, even though I just brought in, it was 30 plus clients, there was like 35 coaching clients came in from that email. I mean, it was nuts how much business I brought in. And by the way, at that time, I think I only had maybe 2,000 uh, connections on LinkedIn. So it wasn't like I had 100,000 followers. Hell, I'm still not even at that level. But yet, I believe that, oh man, they're right. It's intrusive. It's being a dick when, you, when you're trying to sell. So I kept that belief for several years. Now, remember, I started the business 2011. That belief, I held it so strongly. You ready for this? I almost went out of business two years later because I was so busy giving and thinking, oh man, you don't cash in on your network and everything. And then finally, one day I challenged the belief and I said, fuck this. And if anybody gives me a hard time after I've just given them, you know, given to them repeatedly, well, first of all, I'm going to enjoy verbally beating the shit out of them because I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm really not. 
And, you know, Uncle Paul is nobody's bitch, just so you guys know, right? And, uh, <laughs> and you know, and also it's like, I don't want somebody like that in my network. And you know what? You, nobody is ever going to get in the way of me feeding my family. And like I said, if you have an issue with me, you know, taking a quick break from giving you things without charging you and then you get pissed off about it i you're not somebody i want to court i mean this works both ways so that is an example of a belief that really didn't serve me so we have some beliefs that we we hang on to that are based on something false like that example i gave you it was one asshole and then therefore i'm thinking that's indicative of everybody on linkedin and everybody in general sometimes and really in addition to the other thing uh that i mentioned before you know many times beliefs are based on repetition and i want you to think about that repetition has been around us our whole lives first of all that's how we learn right in school like how many times you go over the damn multiplication tables and 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 useless shit in math like you know the (laughs) the axis of symmetry I, i i i don't have any clue what the practical application is for that but all i know is that i didn't grasp it i flunked that fucking test a couple of times but anyway i digress but um you know we've been around repetition not just in learning advertising a lot of repetition in there folks right and you know in hypnosis by the way uses repetition so this has been around us so sometimes it's based on repetition we've heard it so many times we accept it as well it must be gospel right we've heard it a lot and it's almost a hypnotic effect with some of these things also when it comes to beliefs i want you to understand one last thing before i get into these examples i promise to throw at you a belief might not be based on any of those things i said before like as far as false evidence appearing real and and you know repetition and all this it might be something that at one time it served you and it was appropriate and relevant but you've outgrown the belief but you you you've just done it so many times that you no longer you don't challenge it you don't think it through like why am i doing that or why do i feel this way so let me get into several things that i believe can and will annihilate your commission check so these are in no particular order one of the beliefs that we have and all of us have done this there is no escaping this one there is no well that's not me we've done it at one point of our career and i'm willing to bet that it still shows its ugly face into your day-to-day you ready the belief of well i don't have time to do that and it could be something to improve your skills a lot of the time i hear when it comes to that well you know i really don't have time to you know to take that course or to you know to you know even like a self-study type of thing where i'm going to look up some things on the quote-unquote interwebs or whatever i love a response that gary v used to say all the time and at the very beginning of my personal branding journey he was a huge influence on me i have to tell you in fact 
back in, it must have been 2010 or whatever, I wrote a blog post about Gary V. Uh, because he just, so many of the things just made so much sense to me. And he was talking about, you know, a lot of people when it comes to personal branding or even I took it to mean, you know, people that want to start a side hustle, but I don't have time. Now, what he said is radical, but you can't argue it. And I certainly couldn't. You can't argue it, by the way, if you ask your ego to leave the room. If your ego stays in the room, your ego is going to protect you and you're going to have 10 other excuses to what I'm going to say. But Gary V said, you don't have time. Well, there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of time between, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night if you have kids and, you know, two, three in the morning or whatever. Or, you know, if you have kids, you know, between nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night and two in the morning. And his point is, or was, that, you know, if you really want that thing and you're saying you don't have time, you know, there are sacrifices in life that we have to make. Now, he was, and, and I'm not here to berate him. He, he's, he's made several hundreds of millions of dollars more than me. And I love the guy. I, he got a little bit over the top and he scaled it way back. But he was one of those people that was maybe going too hard and too fast with it. And, you know, my family time is very important to me. But I did take that whole thing that there's plenty of time between, you know, because I, at the time, my oldest might have been uh, like 14 or, or 15 at the time. And I was like, yeah, there is plenty of time between 9, 10 o'clock at night and, you know, the wee hours of the morning. And I did that. I considered it like moonlighting. And I almost visualized it like I was going off to work after a certain time, told everybody in the house they were going to sleep anyway, including my wife. You know, when, you know, daddy's upstairs and he's at that desk, man, just pretend I'm not there. Pretend I'm off working a night job somewhere you know i can't really talk to you i can't be interrupted and it was great because at that hour nobody was interrupting me so i had a lot of time to apply to it so again if you find yourself saying that you know you don't have time and i'm not saying you have to do that every night just understand there is plenty of time between those hours and if that's a little radical for you again not saying every night it could be a monday wednesday friday thing it could be one night a week it could be two nights a week or whatever certainly you could do a variation of that you get up earlier on the weekend before your family wakes up and you're not cutting into that precious family time get up earlier then right but keep that in mind the next one how about you know the belief that well i have no money you know to do something like you need to invest in yourself somehow now very quickly i i, I want to get into this because it's going to sound like well of course paul would say this one because you know he's always trying to sell us his coaching programs and and you know sales programs and everything else yeah busted absolutely but my point is still my point regardless of whether or not i'm selling those things there's a lot of cheap motherfuckers out there who want you to believe well yeah i don't have money to invest in myself and yet they're supporting what five six dollar a day starbucks habit they're buying, you know, their breakfast and their lunch out every single day, you know, and, and there's a variety of other things. Hell, man, I've had people that 
I've been connected with over on Facebook or whatever the hell it's called, them meta or whatever. Um, a platform, by the way, that I go in at best maybe once a week to check on things, get zero traction over there. But um, I've had people, you know, crying, you know, poverty. I don't have money to invest in myself and I can't afford your course and everything. And yet I'm seeing them post like, I don't know, like four fucking vacations a year that they're taking and a picture in front of that nice car. And, you know, I'm looking at their home and it's freaking like, you know, out of like better homes and gardens or, you know, they're drinking $150 bottles of bourbon and shit. Some of them are cigar smokers like me. And I'm like, well, holy shit, that's a $45 cigar that they're doing. But, you know, they don't have the money. And, you know, to me, there is a great quote and I'd really like if you can safely write this down. If you're driving, obviously you don't do it. But if you can, I want you to write this down because it serves to me as a pattern interrupt. And we find ourselves clinging to a bullshit belief that really is not a belief. Like that's almost being too generous. It's a fucking excuse. When you find yourself, you know, I don't have time, I don't have money or whatever it is. I want you to remember this quote and write it down, keep it by your desk or wherever the hell you might be making stupid bullshit excuses. Here's the quote. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. The late great Jim Rohn said that and boy, does it really sober you up. And again, I am nowhere near perfect. When I look at that quote, I'm like, yeah, Castain, you're making some really stupid excuses while you're not doing that particular thing. So that's one of them. Let's get into some other ones, okay? Um, objections. There are some people who believe that it's actually rude to respectfully counter an objection with a rebuttal, that you should just accept it. Um, no. I, I don't think that's rude at all. I mean, not taking no for an answer, you know, going seven rounds or whatever. Yeah, that is a bit rude. In fact, you know, when I first came up in sales and I never agreed with this and I still don't, there was this, there was all these little adages and sayings and, you know, little salesisms, if you will. And one of them was, you should wait until you get three objections and then wind down the call. Um, as a business owner, if I have to tell you no three times, on the third no, you're going to remove my hand from your throat or my foot from your ass. But, see, that's extreme, right? That's, that's what we call being a dick. But, see, the other extreme, tapping out after one, you're going to have skinny kids. I promise you, that one is costing you a lot of money. But how about, like, we meet in the middle, and instead of three, and being a dick, in case I didn't make that point clear or tapping out like a wuss on the first one. How about two, right? And I'm telling you, I've been doing it that way for years and I haven't been bloodied yet and nor has anybody had to remove, uh, you know, their hand from my throat or their foot from my ass, at least not that I'm aware of. But who knows, I've been feeling kind of weird lately. Um, the other, and, the, and there's plenty more here. Oh, I got a great one for you, referrals. There's so many false beliefs when it comes to referrals. One is that you, well, first of all, one, and I had this one, 
you know, it's weird to ask someone for a referral and it just makes the whole thing odd and everything else. But then one day I realized something about my own, like, beliefs. This was years ago. I was like, oh, so I feel weird asking somebody who basically loves me, loves my service, loves my pricing, and, and, you know, has been with me for a while. So that makes me feel weird, but it's okay to call a complete stranger and cold call him. So I was like, well, this is silly. So, you know, again, a belief could be getting in the way. There's another belief when it comes to referrals that you have to earn it. And I think it, it is a partial lie, that one, because certainly it's it's better if you earn it and you have a higher probability of getting one. But one thing I learned when I asked, and I always tell the story, the number one sales rep in the company that I was working for at the time, what his secret was, he told me that on every single appointment that he goes on, he asked for a referral. And I said, yeah, the ones that sign, right? He goes, no, fuck that. Every single appointment, whether they sign or they say, yeah, hey, let me stop you right there. This isn't going to be a match. You know, let me say, you know, save your breath. You know, this sounds too rich for us. And, you know, go with God and get the hell out, right? He asked everybody. And I've been doing this since, oh, wow, man, now I'm really going to feel old. You ready for this? I've been doing this since it was either 97 or 98. And I could tell you initially, this is one of the things that I did in the company I was working for to go from, I think I was like 60th or something like that out of like 375 sales reps. And it got me into the top 12 and promoted uh, to a position where I had 150 people I was responsible for. And I couldn't even begin to put a dollar amount on how much this has brought to my family since then. You know, what is that, 27 years later, 26 years later? But um, I, I think the financial term would be fucked on. It's really put a lot of money into my bank account doing this. And I have never had anybody that I've asked at the end of an appointment if they know anyone else that could benefit from my sales training services, say, you know what, that's it, get the fuck out of here and don't come back, you bald, fat fuck, right? That's never happened. Maybe they thought it. Nobody's ever said it to me. So, um, you know, I'm still standing, got all my teeth. You know, nobody's uh, beating the shit out of me for doing it. So, you know, again, your beliefs. Here's another one. Um, Oh, I love this one. And this one bothers me because um, it makes me just dislike a lot of quote-unquote thought leaders that are out there. There is this newer mentality, and it's being embraced by people that are well-known and the cool kids over on LinkedIn where, you know, you are bombarding people with messaging. And I used the term last week carpet bombing their inbox and you know in some in some of these cadences they're talking about you know a a voicemail an email and a linkedin message all in the same day i think that is beyond fucked up to do that i also think it's aside from annoying it's um incredibly needy and it looks like you are desperate and that's not good i mean how you start that relationship by the way could easily bite you in the ass later on when they're beating you up on price because in their head they're like hey, this guy's like 
hard up as hell because yeah he's hitting me up three times a day and chasing me chasing me chasing me so definitely um can hurt but they're talking about all this messaging and then they talk then they talk about breaking up like a breakup email and it's after a relatively short period of time in many cases i'm seeing the average amount of time that they're suggesting that you send a breakup email it's like you know 10 to 15 days into it and i'm thinking wow that's just irresponsible as shit man to 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 teach that to people but again the belief and and here's something else i want to throw in there sometimes beliefs are formed because somebody who has authority with you has told you to believe that now they didn't say hey now sales playbook podcast listeners believe this no they're just you know cramming it down your throat left and right and when you're on something like social media and you see some of these cool kids doing saying these things and then you look and they have 85 comments and everybody's like yeah you know you know what you're not realizing is that you know 78 of those comments might have been from kiss asses and not people that really have the balls to say hey that's a stupid fucking perspective you're teaching like so we tap out after 10 to 15 days yeah that makes sense oh and 10 to 15 days of knowing the ever-living fuck out of somebody by hitting them up three times in the same day several times within that cadence you know and you know how dare they not buy from us in 10 to 15 days and then you break up and then when you break up you're shutting the door the way they're teaching you which i can't understand that like why wouldn't you leave the door open so that's something you know in terms of uh beliefs you know reaching out a certain amount of times and then i'm going to break up i actually had a client and i know he listens to my podcast and he's going to think that I'm being an asshole here and I'm I'm using him to kind of uh you know like get a laugh or something at his expense I'm really not um because I would really be making fun of myself cuz I used to kind of believe along these ways but uh, along these lines but one of my former coaching clients <coughs> used to get really pissed if over on LinkedIn if he sent you a message and he saw that you read it and not just over on linkedin because like a lot of us he had the software that can show him when you've read an email and if he saw that you read his message and didn't respond to him he would kick you to the curb and get rid of you now i gotta be honest with you like i said that you know i i fell into that at one point um yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the, especially over on LinkedIn, man, I get incredibly irritated with people who have reached out to me to connect. And then I look every time I send a resource every couple of weeks or whatever, and I'm like, well, holy shit, we've been, you sent me, I don't say this, but, you know, holy shit, we've been, you know, connected, quote unquote, for a year and a half. You asked for the connection. I've sent you things, haven't tried to sell you really once, and if I have maybe maybe once. And and you haven't responded to me at all, right? So then I start to question, is this a valuable person to have in the network? Which obviously really is a discussion on the podcast for another day, because I really have strong beliefs in that area that I'm in a constant state 
of challenging those beliefs because I don't know if my beliefs still serve me or not or whatever, but um, very important to challenge your beliefs from time to time. Let's continue on. I'm going to go a little bit faster. I have got some beautiful ones that I'm saving in here that I've been saving. The other one too is, um, and I'm seeing this more and more, the belief that old older people are set in their ways and young people have a shit work ethic. You know, the thing that I want to say, and maybe, you know, as a leader, if you're a leader, you have the awareness to to really think about this point that I'm going to make, or maybe you don't and you need to, but people are living longer, folks. And my money is on the leader that knows how to manage a multi-generational workforce because that's where we're going right now. We're already there, but it's going to get more dramatic and we have to be able to... Uh, you know, to accommodate that. And when you get involved in stereotypes and generalizations, um, you really, um, you're limiting your results when you do that. So that's something I want you to think about. And um, I'm pausing because I'm hesitant in saying this next thing because uh, it's really going to shit on an industry if I do it. But then again, I really don't care and I'm going to say it. Um, I would invite leadership um, who have any kind of SaaS products and, you know, that, you know, that type of uh, industry or products or whatever it is, I would invite you to realize that, you know, many times people over 40 can bring things to the table. I see pictures all the time of some of these SaaS companies, you know, posting pictures of their company dinner. You know, we just came off of the holidays and there's the holiday dinners and get togethers. And it's like, find fucking Waldo in these pictures. Like, where are the people over 40? Like, was that the person who like, like was out on a beer run or taking the pick or whatever it is? But I don't see them. And that, that really bothers me that people believe that and not just because you know I'm an old fuck myself, but it's just it's just a limiting belief. Um, let's move on to another limiting belief before I go down that other rabbit hole because I I really and uh, are upset. Uh, I'm really quite upset over that philosophy that you know we're just going to hire youngins or whatever. And by the way, um, I felt that way when I was younger because I saw it happen to my father, who by the way. Um, was number one in his company um, on at least two occasions, one of which was when he was battling cancer. So um, I wanted to put that out there as well. But anyway, um, the other thing is, and I love this one, the belief, and this goes to leadership, sales leadership. This has your name on it. I, I am talking to you sales leaders that a sales rep must have a college degree? I mean, you know, I have to tell you, with few exceptions, anytime I've been brought in as a consultant to help overhaul the hiring process for sales reps, and I see that they have to have a college degree, especially a four-year degree, 
I, again, not being disrespectful, not being a smart ass, I ask, why? I never get an answer to that question. I'm not kidding. I get what they think is an answer. And I'm like, well, you really didn't answer the question. Or they're telling me things. Like, I mean, I, and I, can, I can bore you with all the different things. Like one of the things, I, well, it just shows that, um, you know, they're committed and they're going to see things through if they got the college degree. So that's the only way that you can demonstrate that in your past is by shelling out well over $100,000 on a formal education that, quite frankly, by the time you graduate, might be completely irrelevant at the pace business is going. Not shitting on it, by the way, on the idea of a formal education, but I just don't understand why we're going to pass on people who have demonstrated the rock star qualities but in other ways i mean i'm i'm not grasping that uh many times sales leaders you guys tell me well this is what hr is telling us we have to do great that is a belief hr has part of your job as a leader not to get fucking fired over it but challenge their belief hey if you don't mind hr um could you tell me why and then sit back and watch these fuckers just completely stutter and stammer because, again, every once in a while, I get a good reason, like some of the people in pharma and life sciences and things like that, I get it. But for the rest of the world, that other 98% or whatever, I just don't get it, folks. So that's one of the beliefs, too. How about, you know, they only, you know, here's another belief. We only hire reps from the industry. When I worked for Consolidated Graphics, one of the programs that I am most proud of is a program called the Sales DNA Program. And part of this program was looking for people outside of printing that had the qualities of a rock star and the qualities that we could develop with printing knowledge right so we could teach them the printing but our theory was but either you have the dna or you don't and uh it really opened in fact i I have to tell you this this is a great one for you when we were selling the idea of the sales dna program internally i needed to have some evidence to show that this works even before you know having an actual program that would test for these qualities and then train on these qualities and coach on those qualities and everything else. So we actually had someone who was a a phenomenal sales rep. He was still new. And I pointed out how much this person was doing. And I remember several people in the room, oh yeah, we've heard about him. We've seen him on the leaderboards. And I said, yeah, great. Now let me tell you something else that I didn't tell you. Uh, this guy doesn't come from printing. The guy sold fish door to door. You know, he had like one of those coolers and went to the businesses and had different, almost like those meat packages that people would from time to time go door to door and do. And the guy worked out great. And he worked out even better once we put him through the sales DNA program. So again, that's a belief that could keep you from getting sales rock stores. That's a stupid degree re- requirement. You know, here's another one. <coughs> Someone who might have been a dick to you once during a cold call, and then you never call cold call him again. So um, for those of you who 
aren't older, and those of you who are older, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Before we really started getting into like CRMs and, and even Excel spreadsheets, there was a way that we kind of kept track of the prospects that we had and and what efforts we had made. And it was really an old school type of method that we had. We had these like three by five cards. We keep them in a little file box and you you would just write the name of the company. And every time you'd make an attempt, you'd write the date and what you did. And I was very big on putting in quotation marks what they said. Um, the reason why is because many times I would use what they said that, you know, that kind of quote, especially if they would give me a blow off and saying, you know, hey, thanks. But anyway, you know, thanks anyway, but we're all set. I put all set in uh, quotation marks. And then I taught my team to do a what I call a preemptive strike, which is a pattern interrupt when they call up. <coughs> pardon me. They do their sales pitch. And then they would say something like, you know, when they're like hitting them up for the appointment, then at the end of it, they'd say, even if you're all, even if you're all set, that made it almost impossible for them to say, oh, thanks anyway, but yeah, I'm all set, right? So that was one of the things that we did. But anyway, um, I took over as um, head of, you know, regional director was the title, in that company, I said that, you know, I had 150 people I was responsible for. That's the company I'm about to tell you about. When I took over, one of my responsibilities was the inside sales team. And what I found was, because I was asking them, hey, you know, why aren't we getting appointments at some of these companies and everything else? And I didn't really get a straight answer. And then one of the sales reps who had been around a while, after hours said, hey, Paul, check this out. And we went over to where these people had their cards at their desk. And on these cards were the most negative comments you'll ever see. You know, you know, told me to go fuck myself. You know, this guy's a dick. Don't call, whatever. So anytime we'd get new reps, uh, new, you know, inside sales reps, they'd see these comments. And right away, they're like, oh, man, I'm not going to call. Because one time. Somebody was a dick to somebody, and now they're not calling them. So what I did was um, I grabbed the sales team. We rewrote all of those cards. Rewrote them. I mean, no computers. Rewrote the cards and said, we have these leads for you guys. And next thing you know, we're getting uh, appointments at like Airborne Express. And I remember as a result of these efforts, we brought in a chain of Hilton Hotels. And it was probably the biggest sale that they had made on the East Coast. And it's all because of beliefs, because everybody was like, no, that account. And I remember that one specifically. You know, they're they're, they're dicks there. Um, Last story along those lines, just to really beat up the point. I brought in, when I owned my printing company, I brought in DuPont. And somewhere... I hope I still have the card just, you know, just to be nostalgic. But like I told you, that was the CRM that we used back in the day. So I'll never forget, I chased DuPont for so long. And the very first, and I'm not here to shit on DuPont if you guys are listening, don't want to get a call from your legal department, but somebody there was less than professional and they were not nice. Um, and, and 
they they definitely use profanity and ask me to do a certain act to myself and i'm not going to tell you what it is but it starts with the letter f and it sounds like fuck all right so there you go and yet i think it was like two and a half years or whatever i chased them i brought them in and they were my biggest account and whenever i was feeling like shit like ah, doubting myself or whatever and we all have those days I would look at this and say, look, I went from go fuck yourself to, you know, I think, you know, this is a long time ago, um, you know, at its peak, I was doing the printing for 14 product managers there. So, you know, again, belief and it, they're so strong and they can keep us from making the money that we deserve. I want to just kind of go through these other ones quickly because this is really getting into a much longer podcast than I planned. But how about like this belief that, okay, you know, I'm going to knock off after three on Friday. You know, every once in a while, I don't think there's anything wrong in it, but I just want to tell you, if you're doing this shit every single Friday, just those two hours, you're thinking, yeah, what, what harm does it do? Well, at the end of the year, just so you know, you're losing 13 days. For those of you who get into the whole mental checkout like right after lunch and that half a day on Friday or some of you right who have quote-unquote meetings like after lunch and you just disappear and and get an early jump on the weekend again every once in a while I I say go for it I I think it's great to have those mental health days and you know just like a recharge day but if you're doing that every single Friday you're losing 26 days a year Last but not least, there's a lot of people who believe that, you know what, it's really not good to call potential clients or cold call or whatever before one o'clock on a Monday. Yeah, guess what? Four hours every single week being lost to that from prospecting. That is another 26 days. You add that on to the other one, and you've got 52 days a year. That is just insane. So I want you to be aware of that. How about over the summer? Yeah, nobody buys over the summer and nobody wants to grant appointments over the summer. That one, you know, I've heard so many times in the printing industry. And I remember when I was just, you know, a youngin in the printing industry, all the old timers, you see, that had decided that they weren't going to hunt anymore. They were just going to sit back and be an order taker. That wasn't good enough for them. They wanted to not have anybody else making them look bad like actually going out there and beating the bushes everybody's like oh you're wasting your time kid and everything else yeah well um outsold them and actually was their sales manager within about a year of that just by not accepting that belief that so all all needs and emergencies and you know fire drills or whatever you want to call them they they don't exist over the summer so that's crazy the belief that when you have a holiday weekend like say thanksgiving four-day weekend yeah no it isn't for a lot of people they're gonna they tag on that monday tuesday and wednesday before with the belief that well nobody really you know is open for a meeting or wants to talk or anything else again bullshit my suggestion is why don't you have fucking appointments set yeah 
you're going to have some no-shows. Yes, you're going to have some last-minute cancellations. But even if you get like two or three, it's two or three more than you had. And that's a lot more productive than kidding yourself by saying, yeah, I do administrative work. Three fucking days for administrative work? Are you kidding me? Administrative work, by the way, that should be done on your time anyway. That's not something that you do during game time. In my crazy uh, book, this one I've been talking about for years. The belief that when you hear something you know, or that sales 101, or basic, that you automatically dismiss it instead of saying to yourself, well, yeah, I know that. Am I fucking doing it? Right? Always a lot easier to complain about something and ridicule it and, you know, say it's really not sophisticated and sexy enough for you. A lot easier to do that than actually roll up your sleeves and do it. This next one I did an entire podcast on um, probably a couple of months ago. I love this belief that salespeople have uh, because, again, it's partially true, but it's used to defend themselves more than have it work as a two-way street. Sales isn't a nine-to-five job. The belief when people say sales isn't a nine-to-five job, here's where it's fucked up, folks. Most of the people saying sales isn't a nine-to-five job are saying it when they're defending, knocking off early, or whatever. Again, that's you know we're not chained to our desk here. We're allowed to do this stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. But this is where the belief gets all kinds of crazy. When, you know, God forbid, you got to go to six instead of five, or you got to get up a little earlier, or you know what? It's crunch time, and we got to go into a little bit more of a sprint. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, nobody wants to use that phrase, sales isn't a nine to five. Now, all of a sudden, sales is a nine to five job. So again, a limiting belief. Another limiting belief. I call it the I don't get that belief. A lot of times I hear it when we talk about different platforms, right? You know, I don't get cold calling. I don't get LinkedIn. I don't get, and I hear this one a lot, I don't get chat GPT and all this AI shit or whatever. Here is the harsh reality, folks. And I say this with a loving heart, but with a lot of tough love. Nobody gives a shit what you get. I'm not kidding you. Do you think your prospects, or better yet, let's use me as the punching bag here. Do you really think people right now are sitting around going, I wonder if uh, Paul gets cold calling, right? The people that I'm trying to reach. I wonder if Paul gets cold calling. I'm wondering if Paul gets uh, LinkedIn. I'm wondering if Paul gets chat GPT. No, what they, what they, the only thing that they care about is what they get. So if they're a person that likes to talk on the phone and you don't call them on the phone, guess what? You lose. If they're a person that's all over LinkedIn and you're not, guess what? They don't care what you get. They don't care that you don't get LinkedIn. They just, you know, you you just don't exist to them. So I want you to kind of keep that in mind. So I'm going to wind this down and I'm going to step off my soapbox because I was like really going there on a on a whole soapbox moment here for 40 50 fucking minutes here but I just want to leave you with a word of warning be careful of the lies that you tell yourself repeatedly over time you know why because 9 out of 10 times they become beliefs that no longer are challenged that you just simply accept And 
I want to challenge you to challenge your beliefs. Carve out a little thinking time. Think about the things that you believe in sales and that you don't believe. And really ask yourself, do these beliefs serve me? Take those areas that I pointed out about referrals and cold calling and knocking off early on Fridays and not investing yourself and not, you know, investing in yourself and not having the time to do certain things or whatever. And, you know, try your best to catch yourself in the moment when you're telling yourself a bullshit lie because I'm telling you, I really believe now three weeks into the new year when all the rah-rah, this is going to be the best year ever, all that shit has, has long since died out like a Red Bull adrenaline rush. I believe that 2024 can be your year and this is the one of the ways that you're going to do it. You look at the things that are limiting you and just get yourself back on track and just evict those beliefs from your life before you go. I told you we have a prospecting bundle. I have never done anything like this before. There are over 50 prospecting templates in there and we cover things like email and cold call openers uh, objections like suggested responses and and templates that you can use for objection handling several for linkedin we have chat gpt prospecting prompts there's actually 25 of those that i'm including there are eight tutorials on prospecting and I even and I'm not really advertising this but I actually have two um, bonus tutorials in there bringing it to 10 different prospecting tutorials let me just uh, tell you this very very quickly the topics that we have are phenomenal if you ask me or if I do say so myself, we start with, and you can go in any order here. That's how I kind of designed it. But we have a module on how to create an effective prospecting plan. And when I say that, I mean, how do you get this on the calendar and keep it on the calendar? And what would be you know, a good way of going about this so that you're doing it consistently? So we cover that. We talk about 20 ways to create opportunities. I talk about the places that you should be looking for opportunities. And some of them just you know people get back to me and say i never even thought of that paul and that's what i wanted some things that get you thinking in a different way we get into pre-call planning we get into how to avoid and overcome objections the avoiding part of it is very very important most training on objection handling is just that after the fact i believe that the best way to handle an objection is to avoid getting one in the first place. But like anything else in sales, it's not foolproof, right? So what do you do if you do get an objection? Got you covered in that session as well. I have 10 cold email uh, tactics for you that we're going to go over and I'm going to share with you as well as I think it's 19 or 20 cold email templates. We're also... And they're designed to get a decision maker's attention, so you know. 
we're going to get into how you can generate opportunities over on LinkedIn. I believe a lot of the LinkedIn training is broken. There's a lot of time being spent on your profile and optimizing it. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about other people's training. And just a lot of emphasis on how you should be posting and creating content. I go about it a completely different way. Um, I have more than battlefield tested this system. And the system that I use has consistently brought me in you know a lot of business each and every single month since i've been like i started working the system which was like i think it was like 2008 or 2010 so we get into all that um also eight tactics that you can use when potential clients aren't returning your calls i mean how about that again we're we're going into an area that a lot of people don't even want to think about when they're training you like hey what if this shit doesn't work well hey i got no problem admitting that that because yeah, if i had it all figured out and if it was perfect i'd be retired i wouldn't be fucking around with this podcast now that's for sure but we're going to get into that and then um i have um a whole session ses- session on how to prospect with chat GPT and I've designed that session where it's not loaded up with all kinds of technical jargon it just cuts to the point how can we create an unlimited amount of options when it comes to our messaging and you know handling objections by using a free app like chat GPT last but not least there are two bonus sessions which will bring this to 10 sessions and um, I slapped a really reasonable price on this to make it affordable because I know it's right after Christmas here I mean as of right now it's uh, you know January 20th 2024 and I know a lot of us I think the technical term is broke as fuck right now so um, if uh, you're not clinging to that excuse that you don't have the money and you'd like to invest in yourself please visit yoursalesplaybook.com slash bundle yoursalesplaybook.com slash bundle with that I am Paul Castain from yoursalesplaybook.com I am wishing you an incredible week ahead go get it the sales playbook podcast is a Castain training systems production subscribe to our free sales tips by visiting yoursalesplaybook.com slash subscribe